and welcome to episode 40 of the BM cast. Not a podcast that inadvertently starts a body positivity movement on Magic Twitter by being an ass and telling women how to show and celebrate their bodies online, but the show about playing Magic the Gathering on a budget. I am Scott and I am joined by the patient professor herself, Emma. How are you doing this week? Hi, I'm doing good. Um, much better since I've had a bit of a social media break after the whole booty discourse, mm. as we full well know. I'm feeling all refreshed and raring to go again. Um, In terms of content, I have an exciting debut feature that went up this week over at Polygon. Um, The feature covers the mechanics of Strixhaven. So it goes into detail about the flavour of the set, Mm. the mechanics, that kind of thing. And a a fun little deck list to get you started if you're new to Strixhaven. And it is tailored towards um, more casual Magic the Gathering players, like people trying to get into the get into the game through Strixhaven. Sweet, um, yeah. So yeah, that's up now, so please check it out. It's it's a big, big deal, because it's Polygon, so i appreciate if you could check yeah. it out. Otherwise, I've spent most of my week sorting out my peasant cube, if you've seen on social media mm-hmm. in the, over the last few weeks. Um, so I've received an update at all to accommodate all the cards from the last 12 months, and there's a lot of sets in the last 12 months, so it was pretty much a labour <laughs> of love at this point. Um, ordered a bunch of cards as well just to fit them in because stuff like Zendikar Rising has some really interesting ones with the DFC flip cards and so yeah, forth. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I'm waiting for them to turn up. Otherwise, it's all good to go. Excited to draft it once things normalise with the pandemic. And in the show notes for the patrons who, you know, on the free dollar tier and above, they can see my peasant cube list. So it's in the show notes. So please check it out. Oh, good stuff. Good stuff. Now, Normally I would be talking about my week and myself at this point, but instead we're going to have someone else talk about themselves. Joining us this week is a very special guest. They are one of EDH Rec's best writers and notable cat dads, and it's the second time they've been on the show, and he's back to talk about Commander and Strixhaven. We're joined today by the vexing pest, Mr. Angelo Guerrera. He chose that name himself, by the way. How are you doing? Yes, hello. It's me, the vexing pest, and I'm back again. Um, Yeah, I've been doing great. I've been relaxing this week after writing an extremely long review on the green and Quandrix cards from Strixhaven. Uh, Way too many words and way too many cards. Um, But other than that, I've been playing Monster Hunter. It's a very complicated Mm. game. 80% of the game is way over my head, but the 20% of smashing monsters, I totally get, and it's really, really fun. Uh, And that's really what I've been up to this week, thanks for asking. Nice, nice. Is it like Monster Hunter World? Because I played that, and a lot of that went over my head also. So this is my first Monster Hunter game, Uh, so I really have no idea. But when I asked people on Twitter if it was a good game to get into... A lot of the comments were, it's uh, super fun and a really good on-ramp to the series so far, and better than Monster Hunter World. Okay. I got bored with Monster Hunter World, so I might have to check this out. I have never played a Monster Hunter game, so it piques my interest, and it feels like I'm missing out, so I might have to check it out. Please do. It's fun. We can go kill monsters together. (gasps) Be like a courier all over again. (laughs) If you enjoy the BM cast and would like to support them, you can become a patron for as little as $3. You'll get access to all of the notes and deck lists they use on the show, and their $7 tier gives you VIP access to the greatest budget resources of any magic podcast. So what are you waiting for? Visit patreon.com forward slash budget magic cast to level up your game and get your stonks on. 
All right, so before we get into the meat and bones of the episode, I have a card of the week for you. No, Scott, me. I have the card of the week this week. I'm commandeering this part of the show for my own card of the week. Oh, bring it. (laughs) So this card has been out for about two years so far. Mm -hmm. It came out in Commander 2018. It's been flying under everyone's radar. I haven't seen anyone talk about it with Strixhaven. The card is Fury Storm. Fury Storm is a four mana instant with Commander Storm. So it will Mm -hmm. copy itself for each time you've cast your commander. Mm -hmm. And it will allow you to copy a spell on the stack. If you've cast your commander once, you can use Fury Storm to target itself and get infinite Magecraft uh, Magecraft copies and triggers. Or... Just copy a bunch of really big spells you like, particularly in the Prismari deck. It's $5 right now, and considering that all of the other Magecraft enablers have been going off, I can't see this staying 5 bucks for long, so get them while you can. That makes sense. That's yeah. a pretty good one. I'm, I don't think you were going to beat that, Scott. Let's be honest. Yeah, no. I'll, I'll save my subpar card of the week for, for next week, I suppose. All right. <laughs> 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 So, what we are talking about this week is, surprise, surprise, Commander 2021. Air horn noises here. (laughs) I don't know why we're doing this. It's just written down (laughs) beside Commander 2021 on the show notes. It just says pew, pew, pew. So, I'm assuming that's what it is, the meme air horns. That's my fault. Sorry. (laughs) Or you're welcome. (laughs) Whichever is more relevant. We're going to go into all of the notable reprints, the notable new cards, and Angelo has very kindly put together a few budget inclusions for each deck to help focus them a little bit. Angelo, give us a quick rundown on the approach that we're taking to these decks today. So uh, when I went through the decks, um, and we're going to be talking about prices on the reprints and the budget inclusions, uh, all of the prices are going to be from NTG Goldfish. So you can just type these up. And you'll find the the same exact price there that we're talking about now. I also want to mention right up at the top that each deck comes with a soul ring and an arcane signet, Mm. which right now uh, will add plus five dollars to like the value of the deck of all the cards that we're talking about. You just get basically a free roll of five bucks. Mm -hmm. All of the budget inclusions that I'll be going over are geared toward the face commander, not the secondary commanders or any other legends in the deck. All for the face commanders. Something else that I also wanted to mention is that uh, Watsi announced that uh, every collector's booster is guaranteed to come with one of the new cards from the commander decks, which is really, really good because previously, whenever you would open up one of the decks, you, you get all the cards and the amount of cards that you're getting into the market is equivalent to the deck. It's a one-to-one ratio. Mm. There's no extras. So if you wanted to order a Teferi's Protection, someone had to uh, open the Vampire deck, period. That's it. But now, through the Collector's Boosters, there's going to be a higher supply in the market, Mm. so a lot of these cards hopefully will come down in price. Nice. Yes. And then the last thing I just wanted to shout out was on EDH Rec, we have a uh, pre-con upgrade page. A lot of the data hasn't populated the site yet, But when you go into the uh, set page, you can go down to the bottom and that'll show you all of the most common 
upgrade paths, mm. the cards that people take out, the cards that people put in, etc., etc. So if you're looking for any of these commanders, you can go right there and see kind of where everyone else's head is right now. Yeah, I can confirm that they are very, very good pages. I used it for Anuwan the Ruin Thief back in Zendikar mm-hmm. Rising. That's how I ended up upgrading that pre-con. And it was so easy. Like, once you see the cards laid out and you're like, of course people will take that out. It's terrible. But you might have just skimmed over it. Otherwise, you know, well, I certainly do anyway. But (laughs) my poor deck building skills uh, occasionally aside, let's jump in to the first deck. So the first one is a favorite of Emma's, Lorehold College's very own Lorehold Legacies deck. So this deck is very strange because for red-white, you normally expect it to be pretty aggressive and attack-oriented and using a lot of the combat step, but... This is all very artifact and recursion heavy, isn't it? Yeah, it's, it's almost like one thing that Strixhaven kind of brings, right? Like, yes, they are enemy color pairings, but they're not enemy color pairings as we know. So, yes, this is Boros, but it's Lawhole, so it's a different... Di- Even though the colors are the same, they have a different like identity, which is really mm. interesting. So, yes, the Lawhold one cares about recursion. It's all about finding things and digging stuff up and in the Magic of the Gathering sort of context, that is recurring artifacts, recurring enchantments, recurring, you know, anything else, like spells, like instants and sorceries. Um, mm. So there's a really good artifact theme within the deck. So yeah, there's a lot of artifact recursion, and you've got some really good artifacts as reprints. Um, and it seems to be that the Lawhold Legacy one has the best value for reprints out of any, mm. of, any of the other pre-cons. A good example is Combustible Gearhog, which is a mythic back in Kaladesh, which sees a lot of, lot of playing like mono-red decks in Commander, because it draws you cards or it kills someone a lot of the time, you know, because given the curve of your Commander decks. Um, and that's like at $4 at the moment, so even, you know, picking that up is a good one. Um, another really good one is Thousand Year Elixir, which I didn't realise was $10 before yeah. Law of Legacies is coming out. And, you know, that's a really, really powerful artefact. And lastly, another one that I did not realise was so expensive was is Hellkite Tyrant, which is $16, yeah. which really surprised me. I guess it's like an alternative win condition in these decks, right? Because you just steal a load of mm. artefacts and you win the game, which is always fun. Also, you should pair it with a Microsoft Flats as well. That's always a fun one to do. <laughs> I'm not going to have use of Microsoft Lattice. <laughs> Remind me never to play Commander with Emma. <laughs> I've done that before and I got a load of lands out of it and it was great. Oh God. Oh God. Quick, let's move on. <laughs> so... There are a few notable new cards. Angelo, do you want to run us through what they are? Uh, yes, so I have uh, three notable new cards for each deck. Mm-hmm. Uh, and out of the Lorehold deck, I'm looking at Archaeomancer's Map, Monologue Tax, and Battle Mage's Bracers. Mm-hmm. Archaeomancer's Map, uh, if you're plugged into the, the happenings in Magic, you already know. Mono White Ramp! Everyone's happy! Mm-hmm. Um, it's a three-mana artifact. When it enters the battlefield, you get to look for two planes, put them into your hand. And then uh, whenever a land enters the battlefield under an opponent's control, if they have more lands than you, you also get to put a land from your hand into play. Mm-hmm. So it helps you catch up. It ramps you. And it, overall, it's just a very good card and something that White's kind of been wanting for quite some time. We also have Monologue Tax, which is a fixed smothering tithe, (laughs) where for three mana, uh, for an enchantment, whenever an opponent casts their second spell each turn, you get a treasure. So if someone is just casting multiple spells a turn, bam, get a treasure, you're all set. You're not going to spiral out of control like you do with smothering tithe, 
that's not necessarily a bad thing. It's very balanced. It's very good. This is the kind of effect that I want white to get. Yeah. Um, and then finally, with Battle Mage's Bracers, it's kind of a more efficient Illusionist's Bracers. Uh, so for three mana, you get an equipment. Uh, the equipped creature has haste. And then whenever an, a an activated ability of the equipped creature is activated, if it isn't a mana ability, you get to pay one and you get to copy that ability. And mm. the equip cost is two. So it makes or it is cheaper than Illusionist Bracers mana wise. And it also gives the creature haste. So with enough mana, you can play it, slap it on a creature and just go to town and start copying the ability. Yep. This one's sweet. I really need one for Sir Cara the Bold, which is the mono red deck that I've just built. It'd be mm. nice there. That's a good one. Cranko's very happy about this. Yeah. All right. Now, Angelo, you were telling me about some budget inclusions for the deck. Why don't you start us off with this very good boy? <laughs> yeah. So the first card that I uh, wanted to include was Zerda the Dawn Waker. And so Zerda is a three mana, three, three, one colorless mana and hybrid Boros, hybrid Boros. Um, with activated abilities that you activate that aren't mana abilities cost two less. It can't reduce the cost to less than one mana. And then for one mana and tap, target creature can't block this turn. Uh, it can also be a companion, but that would require every permanent in your deck having an activated ability, mm -hmm. which is something that can be done, but not the reason why I'm including it. Zerda is basically a Boros version of Training Grounds in this deck, and Training Grounds mm. is about $20, and Zerda is $1. Um, and so with Ozgear, who is the face commander, it will help reduce the cost to tap him, exile mm. cards out of your graveyard to make tokens, and just overall uh, be a very good inclusion, particularly because a lot of artifacts also have activated abilities, so it should help on multiple axes. Yeah. The next card for the Osgear deck is Idol of Oblivion, which ironically enough was reprinted in the Quandrix deck. So Idol of Oblivion mm. is a two-mana artifact that says tap and draw a card, but you only get to activate it if you've created a token this turn, and then for eight mana you get to make an, uh, you can tap it, sack it, make an Eldrazi. The reason why we're adding mm. it in, though, is for the card draw ability, though. With Osgear, we're going to be making a lot of tokens, so we'll be drawing us cards, or we can make the Eldrazi, send it to the yard, have Osgear get rid of it, make mm -hmm. two tokens of Idol of Oblivion, and immediately draw two cards. So nice. then that way you'll just be uh, accruing a lot of card advantage in Boros, which, once again, is something people have been asking for for quite some time, and we're finally able to do that. Yeah, that's real sweet. I'm excited by the last one, I'll be honest, your last <laughs> suggestion. Yes, uh, and <laughs> that's something I was going to mention, is this is a card near and dear to both of your hearts, uh, is Birji, God of Storytelling, and Harnfell, Horn of Bounty. So I know that the two of you are very high in Birji, oh, yeah. but I'm including this card for the backside, which is mm -hmm. a five-mana artifact. You discard a card, and you get to exile two cards off the top of your library, and you get to play them this turn. So the idea here is you can pitch your artifact cards into your yard, get two more cards to play, yep. and then Ozgear can get rid of the artifact that you discarded and make two more, which will then continue to accrue you card advantage, and you can hopefully get into the late game and beat up your opponents with artifact tokens. Yeah, that one's really sweet. I didn't even think about the discard in Harnfell. That's really clever. Yeah. 
Yeah, because that's good because you can bring them back with Osgear and then you just get extra mm -hmm. stuff. And who doesn't love extra stuff? Yeah. yeah. You won't be able to get rid of Harnfell out of your yard with Osgear. No. Uh, just mm -hmm. a rules thing for people. But it will help you get things into your yard. Yeah. Yeah. They're nice inclusions. Next up, we're going to talk about my personal favorite, which is, surprise, surprise, the blue-red one. This is Prismari College. This is all about artistic expression and flair, that kind of thing, you know. Creativity. So I'm sorry, it's been a long day. I've spent a long time playing Commander today. My head is <laughs> melted. <laughs> it's about art and stuff. I don't know. <laughs> it's the art school, basically. It's the, it's the art school, yeah. Yeah, that's it. So... Yes, this is really, really sweet. Emma, there are a couple of notable reprints in here, though it's not as much as the Lorehold ones, but still, bring us through them anyway. Correct. So, the first one is always one that is quite popular in, especially like Mono Red decks or any Spelldance deck, is Pyromancer's Goggles, which is a mythic back from, I want to say, Magic Origins. Um, and it was very, very expensive at one point, but in the few pre-cons it's been reprinted. Right now it's $3, which is still, it's still a good inclusion for the deck. Um, and the second one is Blasphemous Act, which may seem a weird one, considering it's just been reprinted in this precon in Commander Legends and in Double Masters. So it's had like three reprints in the last like three months. It is a dollar fifty at the moment, but because it's such a good sweeper in red, and it's often quite cheap to cast as well, just because you're in a pod, mm -hmm. that price is going to go back up at some point. So it is a dollar fifty at the moment, but it's probably going to go up to like four to five dollars just because of how much it's played and how many people want it. So just having a blasphemous act is just really good value for sure and now angela run us through some of the notable new cards from the prismari performance deck yes so the first card that i wanted to mention was surge to victory which is a six mana sorcery uh four generic and two red uh where you exile an instant or sorcery card from your graveyard and then creatures you control get plus X plus zero until the end of the turn, where X is that card's uh, mana value. Mm -hmm. And then whenever a creature you control deals combat damage to a player this turn, you get to copy the exiled card and cast it for free. This can get very nutty very <laughs> fast. Um, my first thought was Locust God and Windfall. So all of my <laughs> little insects that I have out get plus three plus O, oh, and I hit you. And with Perforos out, I kill the table. You know, Remind that's... me never to play Commander with you, ever. <laughs> <laughs> Got him. Um, but that, that's just one of uh, the, the nutty things you can do with it. Just being able to cast a bunch of copies of a single spell, you know, if you're ramping even, you get all your basic lands out of your deck, and then you just go off in the next couple turns. So I, I think it's a, a very good card with a very unique effect. 100%. Yep. The second card uh, that I'm looking at is Elementalist's Palette, which is a three-mana artifact that says whenever you cast a spell with X in its mana cost, you put two charge counters on it. Mm -hmm. uh, it can tap for one of any color of mana or tap for colorless mana for each charge counter on it, but you can only use that mana to pay for X spells. Uh, in the Prismari deck... The main commander wants you to cast really big spells, mm. and usually the best way to do that is with X spells. You also have commanders like Zaxara the Exemplary, which mm. is an X tribal and Hydra commander that will just love this card. There's plenty of other 
uh, decks as well that really, really enjoy X spells, and this is going to be almost a staple in any of those decks moving forward. For sure. Yeah, this has been added. The fact that when you tap it for mana to add mana for an X spell, and then when you cast that X spell, it just makes your next X spell bigger again, Mm. that's 10 out of 10. Love it. Also, can we talk about how great that art is? It's very pretty. The art is really good on this card. I wish I could draw hands half that well. (laughs) Don't we all? (laughs) (laughs) Um, And then the last card that I was looking at is Reinterpret. Mm -hmm. To people who know me, it's no surprise. It's a counter spell. It's four mana, uh, two generic, a blue and a red. Uh, You counter target spell, and you can cast a spell with equal or lesser uh, mana value from your hand without paying its mana cost. Mm -hmm. I'm not a huge fan of keeping four mana up to counter spells that's a lot for me i'd rather play like negate but for the payoff of just casting something for free out of my hand that's a very very delicious payoff to getting rid of someone's spell and i will happily pay four mana to do that and to anyone that knows me this lets you cast things for free so of course i love it (laughs) and now scott you added a card to the list tell me about this one so, this is Veyron Voice of Duality. This is the alternate commander in the Prismari performance deck. One, a blue and a red for a 2-2 legendary Ifrit wizard with Magecraft. Now, whenever you cast or copy an instant or sorcery spell, Veyron Voice of Duality gets plus one, plus one until end of turn. However, if you're casting or copying an instant or sorcery spell causes a triggered ability of a permanent you control to trigger, that spell triggers an additional time. So this is essentially Panharmonicon, but for casting instants and sorceries. And when you first look at it, you're like, oh, that's pretty good. I'm sure there's some like silly things you can do with it. But then you realize how many different incredible things you could do with this as your commander. Like Young Pyromancer makes two tokens for every spell you cast. You know, Thousand Year Storm triggers twice off of every spell. You know, like, like it just snowballs out of control. Absolutely, this is insane. This is one of the best blue-red commanders probably ever printed, in my opinion. It's absolutely bananas. So, are we saying goodbye to Jory N, then? I've already said goodbye. I've sent her on her way. Oh, Sorry. Poor Jory. That's cold. <laughs> Yep. It is what it is. I, 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 I got to follow my heart. I got to follow my heart. That might have been cold, but Veyron is both cold and hot. Have you seen the art? Come on. <laughs> Just had to put it in there. But my musings for the latest blue-red Spellslinger Commander aside, Angelo, run us down through some budget inclusions to help improve Prismari performance as a deck overall. Yes. So the first one that I'm looking at is Into the Story, Mm. which is from Throne of Eldraine. The reason why I added Into the Story is because it will trigger two of Zephy's Magecraft triggers. It will get you a 4-4 elemental, and you'll be able to scry one because its CMC, or mana value, is 7. The thing here is, if any opponent has 7 or more cards in their graveyard, it's only 4 mana to cast. So spells like this, uh, any delve spells are very good in Zephy because you're able to cast these big spells at a reduced rate. And what Into the Story does is draw you four cards, which is a very good rate for four mana 
particularly in a Spellslinger deck yeah. when you're going to be emptying your hand quite often. Yeah, for sure. I was looking at it going, oh yeah, I'm going to add like Dig Through Time and that kind of stuff. I didn't even think of Into the Story. I've, I've got like six of them sitting in a box here. <laughs> Definitely pulling them out. Because like that number of yeah. cards is not hard to get an opponent to do in Commander. Yeah, a little bit of milling after one board wipe sometimes, mm-hmm. you know. The second card that uh, I wanted to include into this deck was Horizon Stone, uh, which is an artifact from Commander Legends. Um, It costs five generic mana, and it says whenever you would lose unspent mana, that mana becomes colorless instead. So it's Crufix's passive. Mm. So that way, when it comes back to your turn, you have three lands, tap them all, add three to your mana pool, and then when you go to your turn you just have three extra mana hanging out nice um this is really good in this deck for all of the aforementioned big spells x spells whatever you want to do it will just smooth out your game and allow you to get all of the triggers on zafai yeah nice and then so the third card that i added was reiterate and the reason why i wanted to bring this one up is because it just got reprinted in time spiral remastered and prior to its reprinting, it was flirting with $20. Whoa. As of right now, the Time Spiral Remastered reprint version is sitting at 2 So if you wanted to pick up your Reiterates, now would be a good time. Mm-hmm. And what Reiterate does is it's a 3-mana instant with buyback 3 that says copy target instant or sorcery spell, and you get to choose new targets for the copy. Mm-hmm. So with enough mana generation you will always be able to fork every single spell that you cast, or at the very worst, just do it once for three mana. And considering it's previously, frankly, absurd price, now would be the time to pick these up if you're interested. 100%. Absolutely good pick right now. Now, speaking of picks, why, Angelo, is there a section that you've added to the show notes here under the budget inclusions, specifically for Prismari only, I might add, called Pity Picks? So the reason why I added pity picks to the Prismari deck is when you look at the Prismari deck compared to all of the other ones, it is the one with the least amount of relevant reprints. It's the one that seems to be pulled in a bunch of different directions because Zafai, who's the main commander, wants to cast the big things. But then the sub commander, Veyron, wants to cast a lot of little things there's the there isn't a lot of focus to the deck Mm. aside from spells and i wanted to throw it a bone with a couple of extra picks (laughs) if you or anyone else plan on picking it up and those picks are ral storm's conduit and expansion explosion both from the latest ravnica block and uh ral storm's conduit is a four mana is it planeswalker uh, who basically has Magecraft. Whenever you cast a uh, caster copy an instant or sorcery spell, it deals one damage to target opponent or planeswalker. Uh, he gets to scry for a plus two, and then his minus two lets you copy any spell. Mm-hmm. So whether or not you're going to be casting a lot of little spells, you can deal a bunch of damage to the board, or you can copy a big spell with Zephy and Ral, it's a good pick for, uh, for no matter which commander you want to go for. Yeah. Similarly, Expansion Explosion, Expansion is a two-mana, is it hybrid instant uh, that says copy target instant or sorcery spell with a CMC for less. You get to choose new targets for the copy. So it's a cheaper reiterate that's a bit more narrow. 
so that way you can copy a bunch of things with um sorry mm -mm. copy a bunch of things with Veyron or the backside explosion mm -hmm. is an X spell that's X blue blue red red and it deals X damage to any target and target player draws X cards so one side goes with the sub commander and then one side goes with the face commander you have an X spell um, that can draw you a bunch of cards and deal a bunch of damage and then the other one is really good for kind of storming off. Yeah, these are sweet additions. I like them, even if you did call them pity picks. <laughs> <laughs> so, next deck that we're having a look at, that was the Prismari one, is Quandrix. So, Quandrix mm -hmm. is the blue-green school, and the name of this deck is Quantum Quandrix. Emma, you have a list of some pretty decent reprints, actually, that are in this deck. What are they? Yeah, some of these are pretty good. So the first one is Izuri's Predatation, which was first printed in Commander 2015, and that's it. So when it comes to these sort of exclusive Commander cards, they tend to hold a quite quite a high price. So this yeah. one's $8 at the moment. So the fact that you've got this in, in, in the Quantum Quandrix Precon is really, really good. Um, another really fun one to have that is just pretty much like a staple in any blue deck is uh, Riot Replication which was printed mm -hmm. back in Zendikar and has had a couple of reprints since. Again, just having the ability to copy a load of stuff is really, really good. Um, and then you have Master Biomancer, which is about $3 at the moment. It's always a good one to just have around. And then you've got a couple of notable mentions, which are about a dollar each at the moment. So you've got stuff like Beast Within, Rapid Hybridization, and then Return, to, Return of the Wild Speaker. Yes, they are a dollar, but similar to Blasphemous Act, these will go back up in price, just given that how played they are in the format. And it's just, they're always good to have around. Like, you can't complain about having these playable sort of uncommons and commons. For sure, yeah. Yeah, you can never have too many beasts with it. Let's be real. Yeah, never. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, Angelo, you have listed three of the most notable new cards from this list. And start us off with this first one. This incredible new card. <laughs> it's yes. so good. Uh, oversimplify. Uh, five mana sorcery, exile all creatures, and each player makes a fractal creature token, and they put 1-1 one, one counters onto that token, equal to the power of all of the creatures that they exiled this way. Very good board wipe. Uh, Simic needs board wipes mm -hmm. as much as white needs card draws. Uh, hot take, I know. But uh, this is a really good Simic way to do that, particularly because it exiles everything. Yeah, this is a bananas card. This is probably going to become a, a staple. This has to be a staple in, like, blue-green X decks, right? This is ridiculous. It's very good. If you're not running white or black, I would say yes. Um, if you're just in, you know, blue-green, I don't see a reason not to play it. Yeah. You know, it, similarly, Perplexing Test is another board wipe in the pre-con. It's a five-mana instant, uh, three generic, and two blue. And uh, it is a better evacuation. Uh, you get to choose one of its two options. The first is return all creature tokens to their owner's hands. And then return all non-creature, uh, non-token creatures to their owner's hands. In the correct deck, this is basically a Cyclonic Rift that will win you the game. You get to bounce all non-token creatures swing in with your team and hopefully win the game or you can use it defensively and just bounce you know more all the tokens or all the non-tokens whichever you need yeah and then the last card is one in a cycle that we were told we weren't going to get anymore 
and that is Guardian Augmenter, which is a 2-2 two, two, uh, troll wizard for 3 mana, 2 generic and a green with flash. Commander creatures you control get plus 2, plus 2, and commanders you control have hexproof. Mm. Uh, this is a part of a cycle. We've had a red one and a white one so far, and the white one, Bastion Protector, uh, like I said, is about uh, $20, whereas Bloodsworn Stewart, the red one, is about $1, and the difference here is Bastion Protector is defensive and will give your commander indestructible, mm. whereas the red one will give your commander haste. And a lot of the time, having the defensive capability is more important than being offensive with your commander. So I presume that Guardian Augmenter will lean closer to Bastion Protector mm. in terms of price uh, after about a year or so. It will probably go up. That makes perfect sense, yeah. 100%. Now... Tell me, Angelo, what budget inclusions would you have to improve this deck? Uh, so the deck overall is really good. Um, I really don't have a lot of bangers for uh, budget inclusion, so I'll go through them really quick. Sure. From Zendikar Rising, you have Skyclave Relic, which is a three-mana indestructible artifact with kicker three. It can tap for one mana of any color, and then if you kick it, it makes two tokens of itself uh, that enter tapped. With the main commanders, uh, which is a parallel lives on a 2-2 yeah. body, you just get four indestructible mana rocks. You also have Progenitor Mimic, which was just reprinted in Double Masters, uh, which is a six mana Simic card. Uh, it's a shapeshifter. It comes in as a copy of any creature on the battlefield, and then at the beginning of your upkeep, you make a token of Progenitor Mimic. So now you'll be making double tokens of any creature on the battlefield with your commander. And then the last one is from Kaldheim, which is a Sika's Chariot. Uh, a Sika's Chariot's a 50-cent card. It's a vehicle, four mana. It's a 4-4, four, four, and when it enters the battlefield, you get two 2-2 two, two cats. So with your commander out, you'll get four. Nice. Uh, it has crew four. Whenever a Sika's Chariot attacks, you get to populate. So you'll make a copy of a token you own, mm. and with your commander out, you'll just get another one. Um, so it's a very good way of just amassing a board very quickly. That's really sweet. I like that. Mm. I like that a lot. Yeah, the Quantrix one seems really, really good. I think out of all of them, it's one of the better ones, I think, just out of the box. Yeah, it's very big, very splashy, and it has a lot more synergy than some of the other decks. And a lot of the time, if you're playing pre-con versus pre-con, you're going to end up getting a lot of power out through the synergy because there isn't a lot of overwhelming force in the pre-cons yeah now next one the penultimate deck we have silver quill statement this is the black and white very politically focused deck my statement on this is this is possibly one of the most political pre-cons that has ever been made agreed yeah like super agree it lends into like the Orzov vibe as well which is adjacent to silver quill so it's a lot of good overlap i guess but yeah it's very very politically minded i'd be interested to pick this one up just to see like how it can mess the table, you know? Yeah, yeah. Even if you weren't that interested in picking it up to see how it plays, it's definitely worth picking up for the reprints as well. Um, Emma, why don't you take us through a couple of the good reprints there? Absolutely. So the big one, the big reprint is Deathbringer Liege, which is a very old card from, I believe, Shadowmoor Block or Lawwind Block. Um, the Lieges used to be quite expensive and that whole era of magic, just there wasn't a lot of it because it wasn't very popular. So there wasn't a lot of supply. Um, so naturally those cards were quite expensive and Deathbringer Liege is $12 at the moment so the fact that you get a $12 card 
in this, what, $35, $40 pre-gone, it's a pretty good rate. Um, and then you got Mikakoro, Center of the Sea, which is another great reprint um, because utility lands are just great in Commander. That is a $6 reprint. And then you've got Wimble Muse, which is a fantastic white Commander staple, which is also five, about $5.50 at the moment. Um, then you've got Selfless Squire, which is another really good one that's $5. And then you've got a you got a couple of cards that are all just good to have. Um, you may take them out at some point, but they're just good to have in your toolbox. So you've got stuff like Ghostly Prison, Curse of Disturbance, Duelist Heritage, Depth's Nell, and Tragic Arrogance, which are all $3 each. So that alone is like $12 combined. So, you know, yeah. you're getting a lot of good money out of this pre-con, even, you know, if you do change bits up. Yeah, this one is really sweet when it comes to the staples that are in it as well. Like you said. Yeah, it gives the uh, Lorehold pre kind of run for its money. Yes. Literally. <laughs> and Angelo, tell us about some of the notable new cards in here. Uh, yes. So the first one I wanted to highlight, and it's probably my personal favorite one, is uh, Promise of Loyalty. It's a five mana sorcery. Each player puts a vow counter on a creature they control, and they sacrifice the rest. Mm. Uh, and each creature can't attack you or planeswalkers you control as long as it has a vow counter on it. So it's basically a souped-up divine reckoning for commander decks that want to keep their commander around and don't want to be hit afterwards. Mm. Um, so I, I really like this as a political tool in basically any white deck. The second card is Ink Shield which is a 5-mana instant that says prevent all combat damage that would be dealt to you this turn. For each one damage prevented this way, create a 2-1 white and black inkling creature token with flying. I don't know if either of you have seen recently, but Arachnogenesis is flirting with $40 currently. That's crazy. And while... (laughs) Yeah, it's absolutely insane. While this is 5-mana compared to 3, the tempo swing that Ink Shield can give you by creating two ones instead of one twos, uh, and they fly as well, a lot of the times if someone swings at you for 20 damage, you end up untapping with 40 damage on board, and you might just be able to crack back and uh, knock them out. Uh, And then the last card is a personal favorite of mine, playstyle-wise, Cunning Rhetoric. Uh, It's a three-mana black enchantment. And it says, whenever an opponent attacks you and or one or more Planeswalkers you control, you exile the top card of that player's library. And for as long as it remains exiled, you can cast it and use uh, any mana color to cast that spell. So basically, you're just stealing opponent's cards. (laughs) And that's something that I really enjoy. You get to say, no, hey, if you swing at me, I'm just going to start playing your own cards against you. And that's really good, particularly in a political deck like this. Yeah, that's really sweet. So what we've seen of this deck is a lot of really good reprints and a lot of sweet new cards. How can we possibly improve on that, Angelo? So overall, like the Quandrix deck, this one is very well put together, particularly because a lot of your power is coming from political plays. Mm. To that end, I have two cards I want to mention is Council's Judgment and Virtus' Maneuver. Uh, Council's Judgment is originally from Conspiracy. It's a three-mana sorcery. Uh, with Will of the Council. So each player gets to vote for a non-land permanent you don't control, and then whichever non-land permanent either has the most votes or is tied for the most votes gets exiled. So it's a more political path to exile Mm. that you might be able to hit two or three things with instead of just one. And then Virtus' Maneuver is a three-mana sorcery from Battlebond, and for each player you get to choose friend or foe. 
Each friend gets a creature from their graveyard back into their hand, and each foe sacrifices a creature. So you can use this for political leverage to get friends or foes, depending on whatever you need at the time. Yeah, that's a nice call. Yeah. The the last card isn't politically based, but it does deal with 1-1 counters, which is a sub-theme of the deck. Mm. And that card is Shinewind, which is a common from Morningtide. It's a 2-mana 0-0 zero, zero with flying, and it enters play with a 1-1 one, one counter on it. And then for 2-mana, you can remove a counter and destroy target enchantment. Mm. The main commander in this deck has the ability to put 2-1-1 one, one counters onto your creatures. And so if you just start stacking 1-1 one, one counters on Shinewind, you're able to just keep the board clear of enchantments and use your opponents attacking one another as political leverage to get rid of their enchantments or to, you know, maybe make something worth your while if they want yeah. to keep them around. Yeah, that's a, sweet, that's a sweet little card. We might have to sharpie the art, but you know what? It's all good. Uh, <laughs> moving on to the final deck in the Precon Dump, and that is Witherbloom Witchcraft. So this is weirdly life gainy sort of kind of recursion-y stuff like yeah they they decided white was too strong and put life gain <laughs> out of white and into green instead yeah it's a weird one <laughs> talk about color pie break i mean i mean like look they've they have fixed white card draw right like mangar of Karandor now exists and like archaeomancer's map that draws you two cards they might be planes but that's card draw so it's fixed right it's all fixed Start giving green and black some love. Let's go. So, <laughs> Emma, you have the list of notable reprints here, and there are some hefty ones in this one. There is some lovely reprints. So the big one, uh, coming at about $15 at the moment, is Alhamrat's Archive, which only has seen a print in the set it was first printed in, which is uh, Magic Origins. It's seen a printing in the Mystery Boosters, but we don't really count those, just given how much there is. But yeah, this is a really, really good one, because uh, as an artifact, you can pretty much play in any kind of deck. Um, and then you've got Well of Lost Dreams, which is, I didn't realise it was about $8 when checking this out. I blame all those Aloro players for just taking mm. all the life gain artefacts, apparently. Um, but yeah, that's at $8 at the moment. And then you've got Vence's Journal, which is $7, which has only seen a smattering of reprints uh, in Scars of Mirrodin and a couple of Commander products. So these, like, overall, it kind of makes up the whole just pre-con on its own, which is great value. 100%. Angelo, take us through some of the neat new notable cards. In Witherbloom Witchcraft. Yeah, so the first one that I really like is a Reverse Toxic Deluge. It's called Essence Pulse. Uh, so for four mana, it's a sorcery. You gain two life. Each creature gets minus X minus X until end of turn, where X is the amount of life that you gain this turn. Mm -hmm. So in a, in a lot of life gain decks, you go here, gain six life, play this, gain another two, Everything gets minus eight, minus eight till the end of the turn. So you're easily able to wipe out the board of any indestructible threats, any hexproof threats. Mm. It's just really efficient in like life gain decks to just clear the board. That's very good. The second that I really like is Yodora Grave Gardener. Uh, it's a five mana, five, five Treefolk Druid. And it says whenever another non-token creature you control dies, you may return it to the battlefield face down under its owner's control. And it's a forest. So it helps you if your opponents want a board wipe, where all your creatures, yeah, they die. They'll all become land now. And also in decks like Kadena, mm -hmm. Slinking Sorcerer, the Sultai Morph Commander, 
when the creatures come back face down, if they have morph costs, you can unmorph them. Nice. So as long as Yodora's out, if someone kills a morph of yours, they'll go to the graveyard, come back as a land, and you just get to unmorph them again. That is sick. That is neat. I just think it's neat. <laughs> the last one is Blossoming Bog Beast. It's a 5-mana 3-3 that says whenever it attacks, you gain 2 life, and then creatures you control get trample and get plus X plus X until the end of the turn, where X is, is the amount of life that you've gained. This reminds me of uh, Crater Hoof Behemoth. Mm-hmm. It reminds me of Pathbreaker Ibex. It reminds me of Endray's Forerunners, which are all cards that see a lot of play in the format. And if green is going to be going heavier in life gain uh, moving forward, this is going to be a great pickup because the aforementioned cards minus Endray's Forerunners are $20 plus. Yep. Pathbreaker Ibex is $20. Crater Hoof is I think around 40 and so it's just a, a really good pickup if you're in green and you like life gain for sure yeah that's a really good call now tell us how will we improve this with just uh, one or two of our dollary dues <laughs> <laughs> so uh the first card is emma's invitational card slippery bog bonder it is a four mana three three with flash and hex proof and whenever the bog bonder enters the battlefield uh you put a hex proof counter on target creature and then you can move any number of counters from among creatures you control to that creature. Mm. So the Witherbloom deck is kind of split between being a life gain deck and a counters deck. You're going tall with counters. And because of that, your creatures are going to be very juicy targets for spot removal. And Bog Bonder will help you save your creatures or move all of the counters from among your creatures onto one threat and hopefully be able to alpha strike a single opponent. Uh, the, the second card uh, is in a similar vein. It's Corpse Jack Menace. And that's a 4-4 for 4 in Golgari colors. And if one or more 1-1 one, one counters would be put on a creature you control, you put twice that many on instead. It's simple. It's to the point. You're adding a lot of counters in this deck mm-hmm. as opposed to the Silver Quill deck where you're adding one counter on multiple creatures. So when you're adding four counters, let's make it eight. I'm just going to double it. A lot of the creatures in the deck have trample or flying or some uh, sort of evasion. And this will just help you get some big boys and swing in. Nice. And then the last budget inclusion that I would suggest is Profane Transfusion, which is a very mana-intensive sorcery from Commander Legends. It is six black, 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 so nine mana. And it says two target players exchange life totals. You create an XX colorless horror artifact creature token where X is the difference between those players' life totals. Mm. You can use this to swap opponents' life totals or your own. That way you can either gain, you know, upwards of 30 or 40 life with other players, or you can put opponents into very sticky situations, and either way you're coming out with a very big creature Mm. or with a lot of counters thanks to the Witherbloom commander and all the life that you've either gained or lost. That's nice. I, I have I got to admit, despite the fact that this is a big, huge, chunky, clunky spell, mm. I have a soft spot for it. I don't know why. Ever since I first saw it, I was like, I really like this. Don't know why. It's one of those cards that's really big and really fun to play, and because this is also a green deck, you'll be able to actually cast it. <laughs> yeah. And then uh, last, it's I just wanted to mention, it's a $4 card right now, mm-hmm. is Vito Thorn of the Dusk Rose. 
Uh, Vito is a an incredible card in any life gain deck. He's a 1-3 three for 3. He's a vampire cleric. Whenever you gain life, target opponent loses that much life, so he's Sanguine Bond. Mm -hmm. And then also, for 3 black black, creatures you control gain lifelink until the end of the turn. And so... Vito went from $1 to $2 to $3 and is now at $4. His price keeps going up, and if you're interested in playing any life gain deck with black in it, I would suggest adding Vito, since a lot of the times, if all of your creatures have lifelink, it doesn't matter whether your opponent blocks or not, they're losing the game. Yeah, that's a sweet one, yeah. Yeah, Vito is very, very good, and I also just envision him going up in price. He's very strong. He's got that yeah. important typing, hasn't he? Vampire. Mm. So yep. this is really good for in commander decks. And cleric nowadays. Too. Yeah, yeah, we've got yep. the D and D set coming up as well, so a lot of subtypes are going to be relevant. So one to keep an eye on. That's it. And that is also it for all five of the Commander 2021 precon breakdowns here. Uh, Angelo, I'll start with you. What do you think is your favourite one out of these? Because we know mine's Prismari. There's no point in me talking about it. Like. <laughs> Um, my favorite is the Witherbloom deck, honestly. Mm. I am a sucker for life gain strategies. Uh, my first ever deck was Obzadot Ghost Council. I just rebuilt it recently. <laughs> I just like gaining life. I like putting my opponents through misery and draining their life and also <laughs> paying my own to draw cards. So it just kind of drives with me. Nice. How about yourself, Emma? Lawhold. But it's not a surprise, <laughs> is it? I just really like the Law Hold one. It's not like you get good value out of it as well. So like the reprints are really good, and it's just nice to have a like a white red deck that doesn't just care about going face or burning people. It's just got like a different mm. axis of attack, and I really really like that. So I hope so. I'll probably pick up the Law Hold one, and we should all you know fight on stream, BMK stream maybe. That would be sweet. I'm in. I'd love to get some Commander games in for sure. Yes. So. That is going to be it for the Commander Precons. Angelo, thank you very much for bringing us through all of that stuff. Thank you for having me. But we're not done with you just <laughs> yet because we have some Q&A, I'm assuming. Emma, do we have some Q&A? So, yep, we do have some Q&A, uh, as usual. So the first one is from Evie the Mage, who, who's uh, dropped in with their weekly tweet. So I've had a spike in how much EDH I can play recently, and Wheel of Misfortune is such a fun card for the whole table, and around $2 is a super easy pickup for any red deck. Um, they also have a question. Uh, also, if Wizards of the Coast were to print wedge-controlled Elder Dragons, what would you want them to do ability-wise? I know what I want mine to do. <laughs> Go on. I want it to draw cards, gain life, deal damage, <laughs> put Inspired Ultimatum on a dragon, <laughs> and I'll be happy. That's all I want. Simple. What about you, Scott? Um, see, none of the wedges really stand me all that much, but I'll, I'll pick one. I'll pick one out. Maybe a Mardu one to maybe deal damage to all creatures when it ETBs or attacks, including itself, but it mm. gains indestructible or something like this. Ooh, something okay. like that, maybe. I don't know. How about you? Don't know. Like, this is a really tricky one. So I'd probably go with like a Sultai one, and it's actually just a slippery bogle that flies. Oh, gross. <laughs> And it's legendary, so it's got a downside. It's legendary, so that's the downside. <laughs> the downside is you could use it as your commander. <laughs> All right, so next we have a tweet from that diff TCG, 
Um, and they talk about some of the Times Square remastered reprints and how cheap and affordable they are currently. And they've rattled off a few, so I'll highlight some of the best ones. Um, so the most notable ones are like Gemstone Covers, which is about $20, which seems quite expensive, but it was in the $35 to $40 range. Um, yeah. You've got Angel's Grace at four dollars. You've got a Kremers Memorial about fifteen, and then you've got the more important one for Commander, which is Gauntlet Power, which is about ten to twelve dollars at the moment. Um, there's lots of mm. cheaper ones as well. So you've got stuff like Lotus Bloom and Slaughter Pack and Summoner's Pack, which are varying from two to three dollars at the moment. So if you're in the market for any sort of weird, funky niche creative spells from Times Spiral Block, now's the time to pick them mm. up. And then we've got a tweet from uh, Zach LW. They just go to say, Tentral Reflections has spiked in the last few days. And they managed to snag theirs for $2, but it is up to 14 now. And they just want to say, like, if you go to your LGS, they might have them still at a low price. So it's worth keeping an eye out. Tentral Reflections. It makes tokens. Yes. Oh, it makes tokens. Yeah, yeah. That, yep. that, would, that would make sense. So it goes in the Quandrix deck. Ah. Mm. That's a good one. Though. If you can get hold of it under $14, you're doing well. If you want to pick up the Quandrix deck, it might be something to look out for. Um, and then lastly, I've got a question for Angelo. Uh, MTG Naya guy asks, can you ask Angelo if he still hates Nostro for me? Yes, I hate it. It's bad. I don't want to talk about it. <laughs> it upsets me. It should have had Magecraft. The damage should have gone to face. It should have drawn me cards. It should have been a Lightning Helix. It would have been the Elder Dragon that I just described, and I would have loved it, but instead I have this. <laughs> Oh, no love for Just Guy then, no. <laughs> and we're done. <laughs> thank you for listening to us here at the BMCast, and a special thanks to our patrons. At the Cheering Fanatic tier, we have Alejandro, Kilgore Trout 503, Max Makes Magic, Philippe Delmot, The Jazz Guy, The Joe Cheney, Bradley Rose, Dahi Carroll, Ian Holland, and The Pauper Guild. And at the Stonks tier, we have Anga Orr, Scott Creech, Simon Grip, Brian Madden, Nerblin, Everett Brogan, and Tom Telford. Thank you all for helping to keep this podcast on the air. We can't thank you enough. If you want to support us and add your name to this list of lovely people, head on over to patreon.com forward slash budgetmagicast. If you have any questions, comments, or sweet brews, you can email us at budgetmagicast at gmail.com or message us on Twitter at the BMcast. We'll be back next week to give you even more bang for your buck. <laughs>